articles or anything like this. Listening to field investigations with contact. And, and he explained it to us. The one thing that Raymond did explain to us, he said, they flew by the hands. They put their hands in these hand plates. And these hand plates were all over. There were probably a dozen different places where they could put these their hands in. And the only screen he saw was this huge screen. and But it wasn't on. He didn't see anything out of it. But he saw this big, huge screen. He, and he said to us, it was like a TV screen. Did you see any edges or corners or was it seamless and round? No, it was seamless. That's another thing that was odd. It was all seamless. Everything was so uh, manipulated in a way that there wasn't any edges and we had sharp corners or anything like that. It was all circular. It was all, uh, uh, he called it matted gray in, in color. And the, 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 one of the things, another thing that he it was fascinated by was the floor of the craft seemed to give. It was like he was walking on something. And he would he walked to the left and, and he came up into this, into the, Richard Doty reveals to Emory Smith the most fascinating extraterrestrial contact case of his entire career. His work with the Air Force's Office of Special Investigation included investigating cases of alien contactees such as Raymond Petrowski. Over the course of 10 years, Petrowski was visited. When he came out, they took him to another location where there were individual rooms or maybe quarters and they did have in the only one he actually filmed was a it was a small cubicle with what looked like a bed and what looked like a bench but that's the only thing that was oh and, and a screen that's the only thing now nobody explained to the creature didn't explain to raymond that this was a crew quarters or or what it was and he walked back around and then he went down a level, another level. And he said, as he got lower, it was like he was walking in quicksand. Although when he looked down, there wasn't any quicksand. It was like the floors, the floor was giving. It was, and, and he thought he was fascinated. He was scared at first, but the, the creature said, no, no, you're all right. Keep, keep, keep walking. He got down where he says was the engine. And all the all you could see in this engine room was a huge round circular circular uh, device with some lights flashing on it, and this protrusion on top. With he said, a light bulb, which shoot up. Uh, he apparently they turned it on or something for him, but the camera was facing the other direction, and he told us he said, well, there was a light bulb that shot up in the air. I said, you didn't get that. He said, no, I was facing a different way, but he said, I saw him do it. So, and that was the only time, and, and then he walked back out. He went to a top or a top area, and he, he said it kept circling. It was a circle. He got up there, and you could see out these windows, and he could look all the way around. He could see his house. He could see all the way around from this top portion. But he said it was real small. 
He had it really crunched down. Raymond was maybe five, eight, five, nine. So he really almost crawled to look. But nothing Raymond said on any outside, you couldn't see that. It was like he, you were looking at just something black. You couldn't see any windows. Was he recording sound when he was in there? Did you hear the background noise of other extraterrestrials communicating or the vibration of the ship, perhaps? The only video you had with sound was one he took uh, towards the end of the visit, the 10-year period. No, there wasn't any other movie pictures that didn't have any sound. And, and we asked him about that. He said, that's not easy to do, other than this back in that day, those days, it wasn't easy to do. And what we found out, one of the things, he's supposed to be an expert. One of the things that we found out when he gave us a camera, there was a way to do the sound, but he just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Anyways, there wasn't any, any sound. So there wasn't any sound from any craft. But it, what, what, what Raymond did do was after, after he came off the craft and after the craft left, he made a little video himself talking about it. He said, I just went into the creature's craft and I saw you know, these places where they put their hand, that they could fly the craft. Uh, I saw where they had to be uh, strapped down, so there must be no gravity in the craft. And he talked, he talked about, he kind of narrated it, not in a detail. Manner. That's great, though. Yeah, but he did mm -hmm. explain some things to us. He said, and one of the things he asked him was, do you have a bathroom in here? You know what? They couldn't understand what a bathroom was. And another thing that didn't happen, that creature never went into Raymond's house. He never left the other side of the fence because Raymond had a chain link fence, a small link, about a four foot chain link fence around his property. That creature would come up and stand on his side of the, of the fence and Raymond was on his side of the fence and his side of the fence. So the creature was on the, the south side, he was on the north side. He had, he, Raymond invited the creature in a number of times, but the creature no said no. Was there a gate there? Did Raymond just hop the fence each time with his equipment? Or? No, the, all the equipment was on his side of the fence. Okay. All the cameras on his side of the fence. Raymond never went on the other side of the fence. Well, to get in the craft, I thought you had. Well, yeah, yeah. There was a gate at the, at the would have been the west, probably the west end of, of, his, of his backyard. He, that's the gate he, he used to go inside. Of. But he only was in there once. But every other time he's remained on his side, and 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 we ask him again, why why would you why wouldn't you shake his hand? Why wouldn't you? He said it was just the way he wanted. They wanted it. You stay there, we'll stay here. I don't know if they didn't trust him, but you figured after ten years of having contact with a guy, right? They would have trusted him enough. And 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 plus he he offered him on one occasion, and this was filmed too. He had snacks. He he had. Milk cookies. and cigarettes? No, no cigarettes. Okay. But milk, uh, cookies, and I think I think sandwiches or, and, and fruit. That's fantastic. They took the fruit, but they didn't take anything else. They took the fruit, and the creature picked up the, or I think the film showed uh, Raymond handed, Raymond was left-handed too. He handed him across the fence the apple. It was an apple. And the creature took the apple. So they're vegetarians. He, uh, he never saw him eat it. I don't know that he took. I think he looked. You could see the alien look at the apple like I don't know what this was, and then and handed it off to one of the security people. So I think probably they were just going to 
figure out what that thing was. I, I don't. They definitely trusted him just to grab something out of his hand. Yes, I mean that's an amazing amount of trust. Yes, but they wouldn't take anything else. They they they, they declined any kind of nourishment other than other than the apple, and uh, which was kind of strange to me. But then we they thought about it more, and we thought I've probably never seen an apple. They don't know what it was, so they're going to take it in and do experiments on it, figure out what this thing is. Uh, what about Raymond? Did he ever tell you, like, did he ever say maybe, or did you ever ask him, you know, why do you think they picked you for this? Oh, yeah, at the end we did. We asked him. We asked him. He said he had done. He said he thinks it was just by chance. They were just coming in and saw his trailer and landed. And I said, do you think, do you think they're in contact with others? Oh, yeah, I know they are. He said, I know they've been to other states. I said, how do you know that? He said, they told me they traveled around. Because one of the things that he asked him was, did you meet any other humans other than me? And they admitted that they had. They didn't go into details. They didn't say how many or where. But it was just uh, Raymond's uh, thought process that said, yeah, I think they've probably seen other humans. Would you say this is some of the most factual video and photography that you've ever seen in your career? Absolutely. This is the most amazing story of an alien contact that I've ever heard of or ever seen or been associated with in all my career as an intelligence officer. This was totally 100% believable. And how many of these investigations have you done in your career? How many? Many. And this is, this is with evidence. A lot of them are not with evidence. It's just with somebody's telling a story and maybe has some indentations on the ground or some craft that landed. But this had everything. Evidence, documents, film. How can you film something like this? How can, how can, I mean, how could you fake this film with a guy that had an eighth grade education and these aliens that are, how do you dress them up? How do you make something like that? There's no, there's no, you know, Steven Spielberg couldn't have, <laughs> couldn't have done a set like that. Wow, Rick, what a compelling story. I love all the facts to it, too, as well. Well, great investigative work. Rick, thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. I'm Emery Smith, and this is Cosmic Disclosure. Until next time. Right. Whistleblowers expose the alien agenda for Earth. Yeah, what do they want with us? Or Unbeknownst to a vast majority of the population, humanity has a long and complicated history with ET beings. Whistleblowers from the military government explain that Earth is caught in the middle of a battle. Truth Hunter. In the middle of a battle to retain ownership of our planet. And we are simply pawns in a galactic chess game. Linda Moulton Howe conveys information she has collected from several insiders who have come forward to reveal what they know about extraterrestrial races, long-term genetic projects involving humans, what happens to a soul as it reincarnates across many lifetimes, and much more. Sounds pretty cool.
As my interviews and discussions with so many people in the human abductions evolved, a parallel track entered my work. On that track came military voices and a few retired whistleblowers from government intelligence agencies who wanted me to know the alien presence is real and very complicated. The first time someone in a serious government capacity talked to me about one of the alien presences on Earth was a Washington, D.C. military source. He claimed firsthand interaction with at least one type of non-human like this one. He agreed to talk with me off the record about the gray type that he knew as EBENS, all caps, a government acronym standing for Extraterrestrial Biological Entities. The military source told me that this drawing was, quote, almost like a photograph of an even, close quote. The only difference is the even skin color is cement sidewalk gray. I have also been told that among the variety of gray skin non-humans, some have been observed to change colors to cream, brown, or pale green, depending upon feeding schedules. The even eyes are not sharply slanted, but are almond-shaped with dark brown irises. I ask if the evens have vertical pupils like a snake underneath their brown eye surfaces, as some human abductees have described from encounters with gray types. The government man seemed unsure, but stressed that the evens have pear-shaped heads, not triangular, with pointed chins like some other gray types that are not friendly to humans, as the evens allegedly are. I also understood that the evens, grays, tall, pale humanoids, and reptilian humanoids all make biological androids programmed for various functions by their ET makers. He said that the original source of the Ebens is a desert planet orbiting the binary suns Zeta Reticuli 1 and 2, about 39 light years from Earth. The Eben planet skies are described as bright to dim, but never dark. This pastel drawing was done by a Colorado male abductee. In late November 1985, he and his wife in their moving car were lifted up by a beam of cerulean blue-green light from a highway near Longmont, Colorado. The whole case with many photos and illustrations is in my first book, An Alien Harvest. My military source told me the Evens are supposed to be friendly and, and do not abduct people, he said. But he had to admit to me that if this illustration by the husband was almost like a photograph of an even, then it meant the evens did abduct the husband and wife. The couple in their car were carried from the Longmont, Colorado Highway to a forest where an egg-shaped craft was on the ground, supported by angled struts. The Washington military source knew about my home box office TV project that took me to Kirtland Air Force Base on April 9, 1983, where I was shown an alleged briefing paper for an unnamed U.S. president that said, quote, These extraterrestrial biological entities manipulated DNA 
in already evolving primates to create Homo sapien, close quote. My military source said that was true. But he stressed that no one in the American government with access to that knowledge ever wanted to be alive if or when such an announcement were broadcast to the world that humans are someone else's experimental androids and ET human hybrids. He told me that he had talked firsthand with a U.S. Air Force captain who received telepathic communication from one non-human at a crash site in the Roswell region in 1949, not the 1947 July crashes. Walking around that 1949 site, the Air Force captain clearly received mind-to-mind -mind telepathic communication from an even that looked like a dead body amid the debris. The captain said inside his head, he could hear crying and felt pain coming from the even body on the ground. Realizing there was a live creature communicating telepathically to the captain, higher authorities officially assigned the captain to live with the entity called EBA-1 at the Los Alamos Laboratory in New Mexico until EBA-1 died of unknown causes on June 18, 1952. That Air Force captain who lived with EBA-1 said the ET told him that reincarnation, the recycling of souls, is the machinery of the universe. The captain also said that one of the most important telepathic transmissions that he ever received was, quote, we made you, we put you here on earth, but you have to live it. When I asked my Washington source what he thought that meant, he told me, quote, Linda, the key to everything is ET creation of human ET hybrid body containers in which alien life force and consciousness can be placed. But he did not understand the big agenda. Abductee Linda Porter told me when the praying mantis and the even-type beings were showing her the light tube cloning resurrection technology, that she understood it was vital to keep some soul entities in human body containers for specific lengths of time. But it does not explain why Homo sapiens sapien must be used to make hybrid body containers to perpetuate alien life force. This is my third book. Because they can't realities, volume two, reproduce. That was first released in 1998. Not long after the publication, one night in Philadelphia where I was living, I answered my ringing phone. The deep male voice on the other end spoke without introducing himself. He said, quote, I thought you should know that your new book has stirred up a hornet's nest at MJ-12 in Washington. Congratulations. And then the deep voice hung up. Since the early 1980s, after the TV broadcast of my documentary special of Strange Harvest, I have received valuable insights from two different government agency men willing to hear my questions about the alien presence on Earth 
and why that alien presence seems so focused on genetic harvests from humans and animals. One man was retired in Washington, D.C. The other continued assignments in the Southwest. Both said they had done work with a highly secret MJ-12 group. They both emphasized the gray-skinned even types with the pear-shaped heads and almond-shaped dark brown eyes are different from the smaller, thinner grays with triangular faces and large black slanted eyes. The men thought that the Ebens were, are, our allies. But they did not trust the pointed chin grays, quote, who lie to us, close quote. That was a warning. The whistleblower ex explanations of prime intelligences that make biological androids and hybrids help explain the great confusion since the 1960s when human abductees have described so many different types of beings, ranging from insects to tall, pale humanoids that have blonde or black or red hair, while other alien beings are described as standing up humanoid alligators or lizards, referred to as reptoids. Government insiders say the various types of hybrids and androids are designed for various planetary tasks on our planet and throughout the solar system, and even beyond the Milky Way to other galaxies. Both men have periodically given me information over the years, which I have no way to prove. But I offer now, in the context of other military and intelligent voices who know about Earth's alien presence, to honor their requests for anonymity, I combine their information into one voice that I call Sherman in my third book, Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 2, High Strangeness. Sherman said it was true that MJ-12 was established by one of President Harry S. Truman's executive orders in 1947. MJ-12's charter, he said, was to study the UFO phenomenon, to oversee retrievals of crash disks and alien bodies, to back engineer extraterrestrial technology, and to study captured alien beings. MJ-12, he said, was also directed to keep the public and the media ignorant of the extraterrestrial presence at all costs, to prevent public panic, and to keep the aliens' advanced <coughs> technologies hidden from Cold War enemies in the interests of national security. Sherman said that in the 1990s, MJ-12 had changed to a different letter number code that began E as in Edward II. I asked Sherman if he had personally seen non-human technology in his work for MJ-12. He said he had held an even device called the Yellow Book that was a technology like the modern iPad. Words on its screen glow yellow and three-dimensional images can rise up like the Princess Leia hologram communicator in Star Wars. Sherman said those three-dimensional images in the yellow book come from the Eben's ability to, quote, 
capture time and play it back, close quote. And he emphasized for me, I'm not talking about videos, I'm not talking about film, I'm not talking about photographs. I'm talking about literally capturing time and playing it back. The Evens, he said, access and manipulate time streams and even have most of Earth's planetary evolution preserved in a yellow book technology. Sherman thought that the Evens monitor the consequences of their genetic manipulations on Earth over very long time scales for whatever the big, big agenda of the Evens is on this Earth laboratory. Sherman said that he had been told that the Evens experimented genetically in Bhutan, Tibet, and Nepal, and then transplanted some of those altered human ET hybrids to what we call the Yucatan and Guatemala region of Central America. Sherman said the Evens used DNA harvested and manipulated from Bhutan for another Even genetic experiment far away to the other side of the world from the Himalayas. Then, in 815 A.D., Sherman said the Evens beamed up most of the Mayan E.T. human hybrids and transported them to another planet for unknown reasons. I asked Sherman, kind of fits in like the Maya. Then, is it true? Like that picture of the, uh, that's very interesting. Um... Hmm. Just thinking of making a clip of that. The Anunnaki did manipulate DNA in all right. I asked Sherman, then is it true that the Ebens and maybe other extraterrestrial groups such as the Anunnaki did manipulate DNA in already evolving primates to create Homo sapiens as I was shown in the briefing paper at Kirtland AFB on April 9, 1983? Okay, we're going to rewind a moment. Then in 850 AD, Sherman said the Evens beamed up most of the Mayan DT human hybrids and transported them to another planet for unknown reasons. I asked Sherman, then is it true that the Evens and maybe other extraterrestrial groups such as the Anunnaki did manipulate DNA in already evolving primates to create Homo sapien? As I was shown in that briefing paper at Kurland Air Force Base on April 9th, 1983? Yes, but it's a difficult subject. The Evens have been here since at least the time of the dinosaurs. And according to a report I read, Evens collected one of each species of dinosaur and placed them either in one big planetary zoo or a different planet. And that was about 68 million or more years ago. So I guess they've experimented with life forms here ever since. And I said, well, what about the animal mutilations? The animal mutilations are performed by the aliens. We allowed them to conduct experiments using animals, not just cattle. I don't know if you're aware or not, 
that there were a lot of moose and caribou found mysteriously dead in the Arctic in Alaska. We think it was part of the Eben experimentation, but we couldn't figure out what happened. The Ebens wanted to conduct experiments, so our government thought it was better to agree to animals instead of humans. To complicate matters, in order to cover up the animal mutilations, our government launched a military program to test certain biological drugs on animals. This was to cover up the alien mutilation program. I ask, do the Ebens themselves enter pastures and cut the tissues from animals in mutilations? After we... What happened? The Ebens wanted to conduct experiments, so our government thought it was better to agree to animals instead of humans. To complicate matters, in order to cover up the animal mutilations, our government launched a military program to test certain biological drugs on animals. This was to cover up the alien mutilation program. I ask, do the Ebens themselves enter pastures and cut the tissues from animals in mutilation? After we had more communications with the Ebens, they explained to us, you have to understand that for an advanced civilization, you have robots and androids to do these things. And Sherman said MJ-12 began to understand that the Eben androids could be anything. The androids can be configured any way the Ebens want for whatever mission the Ebens want carried out. The Ebens are controlling the big part of the operation concerning Earth, and we can't control everything they do. But I can tell you that the Ebens are big environmentalists, huge. They would make the Sierra Club look like brownies nuts. <laughs> they were so worried about our nuclear tests and nuclear materials being exploded and contaminating not only the Earth, but damaging other dimensions of this universe. And I said, do you mean, Sherman, that our atomic bombs impacted other life forms or even other dimensions? Right. So that's one of the things that Evans were very vocal about, how they wanted above-ground atomic tests on. And boy, were they stopped. Well, from your point of view, Good. are Evans the only non-humans that have experimented genetically on this planet? All I know is that the Evans started an experiment, but they could not keep out other space travelers. Word got out that this planet was a strange place to visit, <laughs> and that different experiments were not going the way the Evans wanted. Part of the Evans' problem might be because there are bad guys doing experiments too that might harm us. That really confuses matters when it comes to telling who wants to help humans and who doesn't. And I said, well, in abduction reports, people describe creatures that look like praying mantis insects. What are those? As far as I've heard, they could be very advanced androids, which can oversee long-term projects that last for thousands, maybe even millions of years. But I'm not certain who they work with or for. I ask, what is the relationship between the pointed chin greys and the Ebens? And Sherman said, They were enemies at one time. They were supposed to live without war today, but the Ebens have no control over the greys. The greys do their thing, and the Ebens do theirs. Well, is there a pecking order among the alien types? To the best of our knowledge, no cooperation exists between the different alien groups. And I think there was a war about 6,000 years ago between the Evens and the Blondes over territorial rights to a planet somewhere. I don't know if the Even and the Blonde War was here on Earth, 
or the Zeta Reticuli, or what? So, I said both groups, the Ebens and the blonde humanoids, are making android creatures to do work for them on different planets? That's what I understand. Androids come in many different types. Insects, reptilians, greys, humanoid, blondes, men in black, and others. All have an advanced implanted brain that can operate on its own, or by remote control. Ironically, we think some of these genetically engineered creatures have a higher intelligence than their creators. The Ebens and the blonde humanoids know how to mix and match genomes and DNA easily. They can make robots and androids that can be anything they want them to be. Remember that aliens are millions of years advanced beyond us. Sherman said the Ebens even make blonde-looking containers that the Ebens control, while the blondes make Eben-looking container bodies that the blondes control. Think of a multi-layered chess game in which you need technology to tell you who the players really are beneath their body camouflage. And I said, well, the Eben's genetic experimentation in Tibet, does that connect somehow to the Dalai Lama? I'm thinking about reincarnation through different beings and different cycles of life. Would that concept relate to an Eben supposedly telling an Air Force captain in 1949 that recycling of souls is the machinery of this universe? And to my surprise, Sherman said, Exactly. There are only so many souls that can just continuously recycle. Through life-form bodies that are containers? Right, exactly. Well, Sherman, if there are more container bodies than souls, what happens? I don't know. But souls are interconnected in some way. I think they told us because the Ebens have been around so long, they've learned that there are only so many souls in the universe which must be recycled. That implies a multiverse of many universes. Well, Sherman, if there is a finite number of souls in this universe, and the Ebens know that, why are we living on a planet in which there is a steady exponential increase in the number of bodies? Does that imply that not all bodies can have souls? I guess you have a point there. And I said, well, and if not all body containers have souls, would the Ebens and blonde humanoids have some stake invested in souls? Like, souls could be the coin of the realm, so to speak. That's possible, I guess. I never thought of it that way before. And I said, well, some abductee researchers, such as Dr. Leo Sprinkle, who's the Wyoming psychologist, and Harvard University psychiatrist Dr. John Mack, they reported what appears to be the same Ebens, or maybe other gray types, involved from human life to human life. The same alien being comes up in past life regressions at births and at deaths. I don't know. All I do know is that the soul, when the body container dies, the soul keeps some thoughts or something from that life that was just lived. It's said in the Yellow Book that the Ebens are concerned about human souls if our particular species continued on this course. They are afraid we would damage our container bodies, and that could damage the souls. I realize the containers are the human bodies, and that was why they were so concerned with what we have been doing. The wars and so forth. 
We're afraid that the souls will be damaged by our containers. One of the MJ-12 guys, who had seen more of the yellow book, talked to me about an analogy. He said that when you put something in a container and you pour it out, there's always some residue that remains. Something remains in that soul. So when you pass the soul on in different containers, it picks up the residues of all the different containers it has been in, and a little of each remains and stays throughout. I guess there's an eternity. There's no end. I asked him, does the soul wear out after so many recycles? And he said, no. No, the souls never wear out. The Supreme Being makes sure that doesn't happen. While reviewing these pages of glimpses of other realities, a research colleague and attorney, Michael Pill of Shutesbury, Massachusetts, wrote to me, quote, the notion of the soul picking up residues may explain why we have memories of past lives. It may also explain why after spending thousands of years and who knows how many wretched lifetimes trying to work out the karma from one or more evil incarnations, one can still feel the enticing charm of the dark side. Those seven deadly sins are like predators. They've got you before you realize they are even there. The Ibn say that everything that occurs in our time span has occurred before. I guess it means we're right in the middle of a huge big circle and it goes round and round. And the way I see this is that Earth was created and one day, five billion years from now, the sun is going to expand and Earth will be engulfed and destroyed and everything goes back into a big bang and then everything starts over again. I ask, well, when the Yellow Book talked about the Supreme Being that created the universe, did it say anything about parallel dimensions or parallel timelines or anything else like that? And Sherman said, no, nothing. The aliens talked about the vastness of the universe that there are life forms all over, Linda. It talks about a supreme being creating the souls and creating the containers and distributing the souls to the containers. To the Ebens, it's just basic facts. I asked Sherman, if the Ebens made us and put us here, there has to be a reason. Are we a garden growing containers for souls to be harvested for some reason? And Sherman answered, it's another good question. All I can tell you is that when I ask one elderly man with MJ-12 about souls and why the Ebens made us, he said, you don't want to know that. <laughs> Sherman also told me that our universe is one of billions, like grains of sand on an island. But the island, he said, is surrounded by a cold, dark sea. And when I ask what is in the cold, dark sea, he used the elderly MJ-12 man's same answer about souls. You don't want to know that. Sherman, some abductees also say that the main reason for the animal mutilations and human abductions has to do with the creation of a hybrid species. 
but no one knows whether the hybrids are supposed to replace the current Homo sapien container model. There is a sense that whatever the non-humans are up to, it has something to do with survival, theirs and ours. Sherman said, maybe. All I know is that the Ebens are supposed to have manipulated DNA in primates long before humans were created. So there must have been a series of experiments like Neanderthal before Cro-Magnon, and Neanderthal's gone, so who knows what's on the agenda for humans? You can read more about my discussions with Sherman in my book, Glimpses of Other Realities, Volume 2, High Strangeness. Centuries of genetic manipulation by other intelligences was reinforced for me in 1999 by a retired defense intelligence agency analyst. He said his job had been to monitor, quote, the geopolitical territorial conflicts of three competing extraterrestrial factions or species, close quote. The DIA analyst said, alien presences have based themselves in various parts of Earth and our solar system, and at least one type has been terraforming this planet and genetically manipulating Earth life for some 270 million years. As Sherman had told me earlier, the DIA analyst emphasized that non-humans made the dinosaurs. He suspected the aliens either allowed or caused the large meteorite to hit the Gulf of Mexico 66 million years ago in order to deliberately erase their dinosaur experiment. What came next on Earth was the rise of mammals that led to primates and to us humans. The DIA analyst was especially interested in the resurrection technology described by abductees Linda Porter and others in my two-volume book, Glimpses of Other Realities. He knew about the cloning technology from his DIA work and he described how concerned he and his superiors were about human body containers camouflaging the conflicts of an alien presence through the often chaotic evolution of Homo sapiens sapien. Who are we really? Does someone else own or battle to keep ownership of Earth? Are humans unwitting pawns in a multi-level cosmic chess game? If so, is there an alien ally, a Prometheus or Enki, trying to help us advance more rapidly in order to survive, as Army Sergeant CJ said in the beginning of these Truth Hunter reports? Is there truly some kind of alien threat? Like what happens if a Zeus or Osiris or Jehovah returns. A remote viewer who worked in the mid-1980s for the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency at Fort Meade, Maryland, has some extraordinary insights about friendly and unfriendly non-humans that I'll be sharing on the next Truth Hunter. This is Linda Moulton Howe. Please stay tuned to my Gaia series for more revelations about our universe, the know. solar system, and the planet we live We're on. We're cop out. <laughs>
just a laboratory. I'm going to tweet that. Y'all are still there. Oh, so, wow. Hi there, darlings. Hi, little guys. <laughs> I'll treat, I have to treat you like my pets. To make the American people my, my pets. My spread the love. The, the world was jealous of the joy I had with my pets. Says the world is jealous of the joy I had with my pets, so it's a message from the universe to make y'all my pets. How are you, my sweet babies? Anyway, let's get back to the show. Oh my god, we used to play this and I was in Taiwan. Living it up! Alright, here's for you, Alright. Seagulls. I walked a lonely avenue. I never thought I'd meet a girl like you. Well, I'm an Aaronsonian The kind of eyes that hypnotize me through Hypnotize me through And then I, I run so far away I just run, I run all night day I couldn't get away My, my, uh, my 
microphone cord is broken, so no more microphones. It's a supposed to go raw dog in it. <laughs> a cloud appears above your head. A beam of light can shine it down on you. Shine it down on Jam to that one. How do you not sing along? I hate it. 107.5. Could it get away? 